for welcome to our final service of 2023. We are so glad that you are all here from wherever you're watching from. And I just wanted to welcome you guys. I hope you all had an incredible Christmas week and time with family and friends. And um, tonight is the final service. And so we just get to welcome you guys into a space um, from wherever you're watching and remind you that today is the last day to give. So you can give online. It'll be um, below your screen right there, or you can even bring it in person today. We will collect it for the final day of the year. Um, also, we are just thankful that you get to be together with whoever you are right now. And I'm just going to welcome us um, with a word of prayer as we get ready to worship. Jesus, we thank you for this time, Lord. We thank you for this space of worship and a chance to just get to receive in our homes, um, with our community, with our family. Lord Jesus, I ask that we would be um, just prepared to receive the word that you have for us today, Lord. We thank you for who you are. And in your name, amen.
it all. You're at the center of our rooms, our spaces we're in. We just worship you from our hearts today, where we're gathered with our friends, with our families. We worship you, Lord.
Gracious God in heaven, you are holy and you are worthy. God, as we come to the end of 2023, we think back on all that you have done for us, all that you have given us, how the presence of your grace has enriched our lives. We think how you've walked with us through difficult and even dangerous times. And we are grateful, Lord. We're grateful that you're holy. There's none like you that you're worthy and in your humbleness you went to a cross to cleanse us and make us new creations Lord I pray that you would be with each and every person who's watching right now wherever they might be Lord that you would pour out your spirit upon them that they would sense a real tangible presence, you with them, you loving them. Lord, pour out your love in their hearts by your Holy Spirit who is given to us. And whether we're in one place or we're in 5,000 places, we are your church and we are your body. And we love you. And we look to a new year with new challenges, new opportunities, through it all, you will be with us and for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome. We're glad you're here with us. My name is Steve Mitchell. I'm one of the pastors here. And I get the opportunity to start today's teaching. I wanna, I wanna share with you an observation that I've made. And that is that my life, your life, our lives have these extraordinary aha moments that define them. They shape our story. And we've all experienced it. We've been in a place where suddenly we meet someone a stranger, and somehow we know that they're going to be our best friend. Or we couldn't ride a two-wheeler, and a second later we can. We enter a new job, and maybe we're a little anxious, and we're not quite sure what's going to happen, but in a moment we know this is going to be perfect. This is what it feels like to be a parent. I want you to look at this picture. I love this picture. This could be a mom, it could be any parent, but the way this dad looks at his newborn, it just, it says it all. And it reminds me of a story. A friend of mine was talking to me one time about his experience of becoming a new father. And he said to me, he said, there was a moment when I held my newborn and I looked into her eyes and all of these categories like family and marriage and intimacy and love and kids, things that I knew the definitions of, things that had meaning to me, suddenly rushed together and were meaningful in an aha moment. And we long for those moments, don't we? 
They bring us inspiration and clarity. And sometimes we need that in a world that can be dull and confusing. And there's a word for these aha moments. They're called epiphanies and we need them. We were made for them. And we were made for one in particular. And that's the moment when our creator God arrived to rescue us in the person of Jesus, the Messiah. And the post-Christmas celebration that we call Epiphany or the Feast of Epiphany helps us remember that moment. Because Epiphany is traditionally associated with the visit of the Magi, part of our Christmas celebration. And it gets its name from the idea that Jesus was revealed to the world of the Gentiles in an aha moment where God leads these Magi to their King, the Messiah. And Matthew begins the story in this way. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born the king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. Now that's, that's the first couple of verses of a short story that's only 12 verses. So there's not a lot of detail there. But what Matthew does include in the story is designed to point us to a larger story about God's revelation to the nations. And Matthew clearly had these kinds of verses about Jesus in mind when he's writing this story. In Isaiah 49, it reads, kings will see and they will bow down. Psalm 72 says, let all kings bow in homage to him, all nations serve him. And Isaiah 60 reads, nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Think about that, magi, kings, a star, a birth, the brightness of your dawn. It all comes rushing together in this story. And God is letting us know that revealing himself to these magi was part of the plan. Now Matthew tells us they're from the east and he uses a word for magi that likely means they were part of a priestly class in Babylon. They would have been highly educated they would have been royal advisors or administrators. They would have learned of the Jewish scriptures from exiles. Think about Daniel, of Daniel in the lion's den. And even though they were Gentiles, God revealed his plan to them. And he spoke in a language that they could understand. And he does that for us today too, doesn't he? Now Israel's king was about to be born so these magi decide that they're going to make a pilgrimage to worship him. And they start in Babylon and they travel all the way up the river valley and across the top of the, the fertile crescent. And then they, they come down through the mountains by Mount Tabor and they drop down into Israel and they come into the headwaters of the Jordan River and around the Sea of Galilee and down through the Jordan Valley. And they come up to Jerusalem from that wilderness. The power of God's revelation, the power of their epiphany sustains them through the demands of a long and dangerous journey. Now, doesn't that sound familiar? We can relate to that. We all have those moments in our lives when God speaks something to us, when he assures us of something and it gets us through the tough times ahead. Finally, they arrive in Jerusalem where they assume Israel's king would be born and God has reliably led them 
to Messiah, to Jesus. The story is clear about that. However, at this point, they do make an assumption. They say, Israel's the capital. That's where the reigning king is. That's where this kid must have been born. And we all do that, don't we? We try to lengthen God's revelation to fit our plans. It's the most human thing. But in moments like that, only God can reliably guide us. And Matthew puts it this way. Later on in chapter 2, he says, After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they'd seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Think about it. They were overjoyed when they saw the star because, again, God was guiding them with revelation and purpose directly where they needed to be. They'd made this huge trip from Babylon to Jerusalem. And now the last part of it, from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. He was just as faithful to guide them. And when we come to the limit of what God has revealed to us, we need to do the same thing that they did. We need to look for that next bit of revelation. We need to ask for more. Consider this wisdom from Psalm 119. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Your word, your revelation is a light for what? For the next 10 miles of my journey? No, for for my feet. I get enough revelation, I get enough light from God to take that step along the path and move into the next thing that he would have for me. And that's what tender God-shaped hearts do. They wait for God-given revelation and they respond. But not everybody responds this way. And that's exactly what the Magi discovered when they encountered resistance to their revelation. I love this story. I love the story of the Magi, the three wise men. And I think every story is better with a good villain. And this story has a great villain. It's a great one. It's King Herod. Uh, Herod was set into place by Rome. He was a proxy of the Roman Empire and he was made the king over Israel after his father had been made the governor of Judea. The Roman Senate set him in. He reigned as the king over Israel from 34, 37 BC to 4 BC when he died. He was in an interesting position because he had a fair amount of power, but he also was himself subservient to the Romans. And he became known as Herod the Great. He commissioned big, beautiful building projects. He, he launched the expansion of the temple in Jerusalem, which was so successful, they eventually began to call it Herod's Temple. While King Herod lived this lavish life, he was a big fish in a small pond. He uh, was profoundly paranoid and narcissistic. He surrounded himself with 2,000 bodyguards. He had hundreds of innocent people killed because he feared they were a threat to his throne. These people included his own three sons, one of his mother-in-laws, one of his favorite wives, he had 10 of them, and two brothers-in-law. He was just a crazy guy who was always worried that somebody was after his position, after his people, after his power, after his resources. So this, 
is the lay of the land. This is what the wise men will face as they approach the king to find out about the new king. This is how exactly receptive King Herod is gonna be to the question that the wise men ask. And that question is in Matthew 2, 2, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And I'm, I'm sure that when they said, where is the king of the Jews? Herod thought, right here, I am the king of the Jews. But then it's no wonder that his response when he realizes they're talking about somebody else entirely, it says, when Herod the king heard this, he was disturbed and troubled and the whole of Jerusalem with him. I love that line because whenever a leader who's, who's uh, unhealthy gets frantic, all the people around him have to get frantic too. So he gets disturbed and troubled, the whole of Jerusalem with him. So he called together all the chief priests and learned men of the people and anxiously asked them where the Christ was to be born. They replied to him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. The wise men saw the star that pointed them to a new king, a new king they knew was coming into the world and they decided to go and worship him. Herod hears about a new king being born and his response is entirely different. He also wants to find him, but for very different reasons so that he can destroy him and he can destroy any threat to his own power. The wise men have traveled 1,700 arduous miles, probably over the course of four or five months to find this king, while Herod, this whole time, for maybe up to two years, has been sleeping four miles from the Messiah. All of this time, when he was killing people who really did pose no threat to his power, the savior of the world had been born right under his nose. Herod could have walked to him in an hour. He could have been carried by his 2000 bodyguards and not even broken a sweat. Herod could have found the king himself and then decided what he would do with the person of Jesus. But instead he missed the real king that was right in front of him. Herod had real reasons to resist a coming king. They were tangible and weighty. In a constantly shifting geopolitical landscape, his throne was at stake. And this had me thinking this week about my thrones and my crowns and the things that are hard or scary for me to hand over to God. In the past, when I read this story, I always see myself walking in the wise man's shoes. I always see myself as the one who is searching and walking and, and trying to find the love of a savior. I'm always traveling, looking for the God to whom I can give my life. But sometimes I realize I am Herod. I am anxiously protecting my own agenda from anyone who threatens it, including God. I hold on to my plans and my people and my power and my resources with such a tight grip that I can easily block out the light and love of the God who came to free me. And he didn't just come to free me from all the tyrannical rulers of the world. He came to free me from the tyrannical ruler inside my own self. Because I think at the end of it all, there's a little wise man and a little Herod in all of us. All of us have a little bit of a seeking heart and a little bit of a self-protected, frantic 
King inside of us. So perhaps the best question we can ask ourselves as we enter a new year is how will I respond to the love of a Savior that I don't even have to search for? How will I respond to love that won't let go? How will I respond to to this love that might cost me my agenda or my plans or my dreams for this year in order to be replaced by something bigger and greater? by the God of love, how will I face the resistance in my heart to give him the things that I know he can do better with than I can? Keep that question in the back of your mind as Israel finishes up our story. Good morning, church. Man, it's good to be with you guys this morning. I hope you all have a wonderful Christmas with all your loved ones. It's good that um, all of us are here. It's good to hear from Pastor Steve and Pastor Bo. And today I will uh, finish the reading in Matthew chapter 2, verse 9, 11. So whatever you're watching this morning, in your kitchen, in your living room, hey, or even in your bed, uh, I would like to invite you just to read along with me. So Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 and 11 says this. After they heard the king... They went on their way, and the star they had seen, when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Man, what a beautiful and powerful verses we just read. But let's just recap a little bit about what we just read. Um, we all know that we have three wise men. We know that they have come from far away looking to meet Jesus. And according to verse 9, they have to continue their journey because obviously Jesus wasn't at Jerusalem. And at this point, now they have to continue to travel approximately and we're within four to five miles south of Jerusalem to find Jesus. And now it appears that they're going in the right direction. And how do we know they're heading in the right direction? Well, because as we read, they were following all along the start that now has stopped over the place where Jesus was. And I love the description that Matthew gives, and I think Pastor Steve alluded a little bit. And the reaction of these men said that they were overjoyed. In other words, they were ecstatic. They were overly happy. They were super stoked. Now, whatever you are, I want you to picture this with me for a little bit. Let's try to uh, use our imagination. You have these three wise men. They were highly educated, right? They were probably powerful men. Can you imagine this word says, they were overjoyed. They were probably jumping around. They were probably hugging each other. They couldn't believe that they have arrived. And they probably said something like this. Man, this is the moment we have been waiting for centuries. And now we are here. Can you imagine the excitement? Can you imagine their joy to know that they're about to meet the king? But I love 
that in verse 11 says that the joy didn't stop there, but they also entered the house to meet Jesus. And when I was reading it, I'm like, well, they, they could have stayed outside. They could have called for Mary and Joseph and leave their gifts at the doorstep and go back home. But no, they wanted to meet Jesus in person. And I love their attitude when they first saw Jesus. And the verse 11 says that as soon as they saw Jesus, they bowed down and worshiped him. At that moment, they knew exactly that they were standing in front of a bigger king. They were standing in front of the king of the Jews. They were standing in front of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. They knew that the child probably sitting in the lap of his mama, they knew that he was worthy of worship. The English word for worship comes from the word worth-ship. And it describes the showing or displaying the worth of God. Another definition for worship is to bow down or to prostrate oneself. And these men, they gave Jesus the worth he deserved and they did it by bowing down and by worshiping the king. And then the interesting thing is says that they gave him gifts. You know, usually when we go visit a newborn, what's the first thing that we do? We bring balloons, we bring gifts, right? Uh, we say, oh, look at this little baby. What a nice cheeks. But the wise man, they didn't give the gifts and then worship. First they understood who was standing before them. So first they worshiped, first they bowed down, and then they gave their gifts. So before they gifted their best, they worshiped the best. And this is the humility that these three wise men had. You know, in a couple of hours, the year of 2023 will not longer exist. And perhaps this year wasn't your best year. Maybe it just, it just didn't turn out the way that you hoped for. But you know what? I have great, new, great news for you this morning. That our God is a God of second, third, and fourth chances. So I would like to challenge us all today this morning. What if in this new year, before we think about our plans, before we think about even our new year's resolution, what if we enter 2024, the new year giving God the worth He deserves? I wonder what could happen if we respond to Jesus through humbling ourselves and recognizing His Lordship over us. I wonder what could happen if it, in this new year, we have the same overjoy and the same expectation that these three wise men had 
when they met Jesus. And you know we might not have a lot to offer, but we can offer our worship. But we can offer Him our plans. But we can offer Him our futures. And my prayer today is that may we give Him the word that He reserves by putting Him first. That in everything that we do in this 2024, May we come into this year into his presence and in worship. And let us do what Philippians chapter 2, 10 says. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So I would like to ask you that whatever you are, in your living room, in your kitchen, can we just pause for a moment and can we just acknowledge Christ our King and can we worship Him and bow before Him and can we bring the best of our hearts and ourselves to Him as our gift to Him so I would like to pray God we just, we just thank you because you have been good to us this 2023, you have been good. And Lord, as we are getting ready to celebrate the new year, Lord, we want to pause for a moment and, and acknowledge you as our King. We want to acknowledge you as our Savior. We want to acknowledge you as our Lord. God, we want to give you all the worship this morning. God, may you receive the very first of our lives and may you be glorified in everything we do we thank you and we worship you for who you are in Jesus name we pray amen let us worship
thank you for joining us um, this morning, wherever you were at. Um, we are so excited to see you all um, back in this room with us next Sunday um, as we continue back in in-person services. And as we end the service, you'll see a couple questions for response, um, uh, just to reflect on the message that we heard this morning. You can take those personally and reflect on them. Also, you can totally talk with the people that you're watching with and discuss and challenge one another as we step into this new year together. So I would love to offer the benediction um, as we end our service together. If you wanna just put your hands out wherever you are, on your couch, in your bed, listening to this, if you're driving, keep your eyes open. Um, we just wanna offer a benediction to you as we step into this new year together. So. As we start a new year, may we be people who respond to the revelation of Jesus as King by following where He is leading us to go. In the name of the one who is King of all, in your name, Lord, amen. We are so excited to see you all here next week. Have an amazing New Year's Eve. <laughs>